Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sports fans around the world, we are back yet again as we enter the beautiful month of May. It is almost Gemini season, my time to shine, but let me stop talking. Aaron, what's up over there? Hey, man, we all good. Curry's back, so so it's all love out here. Oh, Curry's back. Gemini season is around the corner. The weather is breaking here on the East Coast, and there's a lot of good things happening in the sports world. Boston strong, baby. Boston strong. Oh, my the goodness. We'll, we'll get we, in. The only Drew we acknowledge is Bledsoe, baby. <laughs> the only Drew <laughs> this guy acknowledges is Bledsoe. <laughs> if it wasn't for Drew Bledsoe, we may never know of Tom the Goat Brady. So just let that sink in for a moment. Uh, but, you know, I was, I was uh, I'll, I'll say this real quick. I was a big uh, – Drew Bledsoe fan when I was when I was a kid, he was definitely a, a fun quarterback to watch. I feel like he was the gunslinger that never was. Like if he, if he had a, a little bit more firepower around him, he could have been even more exciting to watch. But he ended up with some you know pretty bad Buffalo teams, and you know we, we won't go down that road. But you know, shout out to Buffalo losing four Super Bowls. That's that's unheard of. Sorry, sorry. That's <laughs> nice talent. Oh, that is. That that's something I'll say. Yeah, that's that's definitely something. Uh, let's uh, let's start today's show with getting into a little bit of a baseball update. Uh, we're you know about a month into the season, so I wouldn't quite say teams are are breaking away or or running away with with anything, but we have a decent idea of which which teams are good and which teams are perhaps not so good. Um, why don't we start? talking about who the first-place teams are in each division and kind of forecasting if we think they're going to stay there by the time September, October rolls around. All right, let's start with the, uh, the AL East. The Boston Red Sox are currently at the top. They are currently at the mountaintop, at the peak. Aaron, will the Red Sox be there come September 30th? You know... To be honest, I don't know. I'm if you know if there's a if there's a kind of like a you know an unknown. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna wait and see. The verdict is still pending on this one, um, so I think it is a possibility. Uh, but you know those the Bronx Bombers reloaded uh, are still looming, so. I think if they kind of get it together and uh, make a run, they can definitely put some pressure on Boston. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I, that one's still a toss-up. So, it'll be close. Just like those scooter-looking things, mall cops drive around, you just made the perfect segue. Because I'm, of course, as a resident Yankee fan, going to say the Red Sox will not remain in first place. The Yankees will finish the season atop the AL East. Uh, you mentioned the offense. Uh, you, you, I mean, if you add a guy like uh, like Giancarlo Stanton, and the offense is only going to get better as far as uh, you know, home runs and, and runs and and uh, production is concerned. But one of my criticisms early in the year of this team was the the pitching just wasn't up to par. I mean, the Yankees were giving up lots of runs. They were losing games. I'm just going to throw random figures out there. They were, they were losing games. You know, ten to seven, you know, eight to five. I mean, baseball, you you score five, six, seven runs, you should win 
much more often than you lose. But now the, the, the pitching is, is taking shape. Um, there's a couple of injuries in the bullpen, but one healthy that is still a strength of the team. Uh, and, you know, if the pitching can, can remain at least up to par, up to the task, if you will, it's a, it's a pretty strong team. And, they, they, you know, they were one, you know, one game away from reaching the, the World Series last year, but we all know how that turned out. Shout out to the Houston Astros. The American League Central, the team currently at the top, is the team the New York Yankees beat in order to have the have the luxury to play the Astros in the American League Championship Series last season. The Cleveland Indians, the Tribe. Am I allowed to say that the Tribe? I'm not sure, but they're they're nicknamed the Tribe. Yeah. But let's let's stick with let's let's stick with that for now. I'm not really yeah. not sure what's going on with all, with all that. But anyways, uh, exactly. Indians, 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 Indians. The name of the team, Indians. Let's make that clear. Are they going to stick around, Aaron? Uh, yes, solely because I don't know anybody else in the AL Central. So, <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you want, I can list the teams for you, buddy. <laughs> but I get you. I get you. Who, who else you got? Is, is that the oh, Milwaukee Brewers? <laughs> Are they AL no, Central? No, 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 no. The Brew Crew. That's the National League. That's the, that's the National right. League. And that's the National League. Right, break uh, but, it down for me, Ron. Who, who's in the AL uh, Central? Break it down for me. All right. All right. You've got the, got the Minnesota Twins. You've got the Detroit Tigers. You've got the Chicago White Sox and the Kansas City Royals, all of which are terrible teams. So, yeah. There you go. I'm going to say the Minnesota Twins um, solely just because I hate any team in Cleveland. Um, yes, I hate the city of Cleveland. Um, I will say that, and hate is a strong word, but as long as LeBron's there, I hate all of you. Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Solely because, solely because they're in the same city as LeBron. So I am going with the not-so-fast, my friend, major upset alert. Go twins, go. Twin cities. All right. Um, I'm going to stick with the Indians because, as I mentioned a couple of moments ago, the rest of the division is just not talented. Um, a lot of those teams are in, in rebuilding mode. Uh, and you know, the Indians were were playing the Yankees last year in, you know, in, in the thick of things. And, it could have easily been the Indians playing the Astros in the American League Championship Series. So this this team was very good last year. Uh, they were extremely good last year as far as the, the regular season. Um, they're kind of I see them kind of picking up where they left off last year. Um, you know, but it really just comes down to to the competition as far as that division goes. The American League West are. are the defending champion Houston Astros gonna gonna stand tall and defend their title, or at least make the playoffs for that matter as the division champions, or is someone gonna knock them off? Um, no, I'm going Astros. Well, I will have to agree with you on that. Um, their pitching staff, in particular, their their starting rotation was already very very good. Um, and they they added to that in the off season, uh, and they, they're one of the most complete offensive teams. You know, very good blend of 
speed, power, savvy base running, so forth and so on. Um, and th they're also a very, very good defensive team. And there's just there's just some, something about the city of Houston. They, they've got they've got a lot of lot of pride, and I think they're going to stick around. Houston strong. They're Houston strong. There you go. There you go. All right, so that, that's the American League. Uh, let's jump over to the National League. We'll start with the, the East Coast once again. And well, what do you know? The the Mets are currently in first place in the National League East. Are are the redheaded stepchild of New York baseball going to stick around, Aaron? No. The curse of John Olerud wearing that stupid batting hat when he played for the base. <laughs> are going to come back and haunt them. And my Atlanta Braves are going to Wakanda again. They're going to get on that vibranium, and they're going to take over the NL East. Uh, here he goes again. Here he goes. By the way, for those – Aaron, have you seen Avengers, Infinity War? I have not. You have not. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to shut up then. Uh, <clears throat> I agree that the Mets are not, the Mets are not going to win the division. But I also don't think the Braves are going to win the division. I appreciate you having some some pride in your favorite team, uh, but this isn't the '90s. And the Washington Nationals will be the National League East champions come season's end. And I'm really looking at Bryce Harper this year. I mean, he's he's had a couple of good seasons, but uh, he hasn't quite lived up to the very very lofty expectations. Uh, of when he came to the majors, I, he was he was compared side by side to Mike Trout uh, when they both came came up to to, to the big show, um, and um, Mike Trout's definitely been MVP caliber player for several years. But Bryce Harper, while he's shown flashes, especially with his with his pat with his power and home run hitting in recent seasons, I'm still waiting for him to turn the proverbial corner. But the Nats will win that division. The National League Central. Are the Cubs gonna gonna remain at the top, or is someone else gonna claw their way up? I am saying waves of W. Go Cubs, go! Go Cubs, go! Hey Chicago, what do you say? Cubs gonna win today. I'm going to Cubbies. Spirit of Harry well. Carey, God rest his soul. Well, based on that analysis, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and assume you're gonna pick them to win the whole World Series. I mean, that that's man, that's as committed as I've ever heard of you for picking a baseball team all year, man. There you go. You <laughs> <laughs> sang the song and everything. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually going to Chicago for the first time uh, this month, and uh, unfortunately, while I'm there, the Cubs will not be in town. So I. Am cursed with having to go and watch a White Sox game, but I'll make the best Oof. of it. Uh, yep. Uh, but Cubs, Cubs are gonna win the division. Cubs are gonna stick around. Um, they're two years removed from the World Series championship. Uh, th their core is still very, very much intact. Um, they've got a lot of power in the lineup. Um, they're still, a, I wouldn't call them a, a young team, but majority of their of their star players are entering or are in their prime. I mean, this you know, outside of outside of uh, when the Yankees had their run, you know, off the top of my head, I can't recall a, a major league team that's been able to keep 
a group of guys together for a period of you know three, four, or five years, like the, like the Cubs have done, uh, especially on offense. And they're they're going to be a scary team this year. And I feel like a lot of people are counting them out. National League West, that team in the desert, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have slithered their way to the top, but will they remain there? No. Queen for president, go Dodgers. What, who? Who for president? I didn't quite catch that. Yasiel Puig. Oh, Puig, the, my fellow Cuban. All right, I can, I can, I can appreciate that. But my friend, the Dodgers are Kanye and off. Puig in 2020. <laughs> oh, we're gonna edit that out later. Um, <laughs> uh, the Dodgers just lost their starting star shortstop Corey Seager for the year, and I was looking forward to him having a huge all-star type season this year and kind of be the the engine that makes that team go at least offensively but unfortunately he is now out for the year Uh, Kershaw while he is one of the best if not the best in baseball um, he just he just has this real sneaky sporadic injury history and if he misses you know two three starts here and there I, I could see that the Dodgers still having a very good season, but not quite being elite as they were last year. The Diamondbacks, uh, I believe they were a wild card team last year, and they were very much so a team on the rise. Uh, their their starting rotation is very talented. They've got enough power to score runs with anybody in the NL. And yeah, I, I just like I said with the Jazz earlier in the NBA season. Uh, being the, the surprise team, if you will, that's going to kind of stick around come postseason time, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Diamondbacks right now as the one surprise team to not only win the division, but also make some noise in the playoffs come, come October. Well, that, that does it for baseball. That, 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 was, that was quick. Huh? <laughs> uh, so do, do we, do we want to get into just, just a couple a couple couple highs and lows in the season so far or maybe uh, a player or two that have really stood out to you or you know kind of some some moments where you said man baseball's not so boring after all so uh the the player that stands out most to me right now uh is the guy out in LA uh playing for the Angels Oshi whatever his name is I'm not going to butcher it um, the pitcher who is hitting dingers like he's Mike Trout um, <laughs> has been has been very impressive uh, and has made an easy transition over to the game. Um, and I will say this: that not being a true uh, you know baseball fan, I do enjoy going to the games uh, live and in person. And uh, so this past weekend. I went to the uh, Giants versus Dodgers game Saturday night, um, and I made a new friend, uh, Kendra, who is 10 years old, and I tried to get her baseball. So I sat next down basically row one right at the Giants pitching mound, and around the fifth or sixth inning after uh, my beverages started to take a toll on me, um, I decided to yell at every – a relief pitcher trying to get them to throw a ball to Kendra so you can make the 10-year-old's birthday. So didn't get her a ball, but I tried. 
And so for that reason, the Giants are cursed uh, solely because they did not make a 10-year-old baseball day when a drunk guy was yelling at him. So <laughs> that's my way too early <laughs> baseball season story. So, so I'm, I'm learning that you're, that you're uh, a huge Cubs fan, uh, even though you claim you like the Braves, and you're, you're, you're out there trying to catch baseballs for, for kids all around the Bay Area. Ha, come on, man. What, 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 exactly, what man. Hey, I'm trying to out here what, what to give back to do? the kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, for some reason, uh, those those uh, skits in Kanye's college dropout album just all came to mind. But anyway, uh, so so but you, that man, that guy Otani is is amazing. I mean, I've, so it's always been astonishing to me ha- having grown up playing baseball and when I'm in uh, t-ball, little league, middle school, high school, whatever. Um, you, you pitch and you hit, but then you get to the major league level and, or, you know, even, even the, the collegiate, I'm sorry, even the uh, minor league level uh, to some degree, um, you pitch and that's it. You pitch. And then it seems like all these pitchers forgot how to hit. Obviously you can't draw any comparison to the major league quality pitching versus what you're going to see in little league. But it's, it's just always been astonishing to me how these players, hit baseballs their whole lives, and then they get to the major leagues, and all of a sudden it looks like, you know, they, they, uh, they're playing, you know, pin the, pin the tail on the donkey or something. Who knows? Uh, but Otani's been a revelation. Uh, it's been amazing to watch him offensively. Uh, he's been pitching well also. Uh, who knows? This may be, this may be the, the start of a, a trend in baseball. This may be the start of, of something big. Uh, it definitely will draw more fan excitement, I think, if, if hitters start to hit well, I'm sorry, if pitchers start to hit well is what I meant to say. Uh, but as far as, as my, you know, my one player who's really stood out to me and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be a homer. Uh, I, if I'm nothing else, I'm passionate. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Yankees in, in recent shows, including today's and we discussed baseball and all their power. And, you know, you got Aaron judge and John Carlos Stanton and you got Gary Sanchez, but Aaron, did you know Didi Gregorius, the New York Yankees shortstop from the Netherlands, the Dutchman, he is leading Major League Baseball in slugging percentage and RBIs, and he is tied for the lead in home runs. Didi Gregorius, welcome to New York. That's all I got to say. Shout out to you, Didi. I don't know who you are, but I know you listen. Thank you for being a lawyer. Oh, oh you, you, you just learned who he is. Uh, let's get get into another sport uh not sure how quickly we'll get through this but um did did you want to you want to speak on uh, a little bit of of hockey perhaps talk about nhl playoffs for a few minutes why not so being the uh resident bay area rep and having a team in the playoffs um Shout out to Jimmy G and uh, Joe Stanley, friends of the of Run the Point. Um, you know Jimmy G, you know quarterback for the 49ers, former New England Patriots. Tom Brady, you know, comes from the TB12 quarterback camp. Uh, you know, undefeated as a starter in the NFL. Uh, you know, numerous. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean well, like I, a lot are you gonna? 
Are you gonna are you gonna tell us are you gonna tell us what his favorite cereal is next? <laughs> he looks like Aladdin. Uh but nonetheless they were out supporting the uh the Bay Area team uh in the playoffs so last night. But I will tell you this so hockey, uh don't ask me anything strategically because I don't know. But I will tell you this. If you are a fan of just like pure entertainment, you have to watch the first five minutes like of the Vegas Knights warm up. Like their little intro where the players come out and they do all this. It is pure Vegas. It is simply probably the best intro across any sport, any major sport that I've ever seen. Um, it actually scares me because now when the Raiders go to Vegas, like they're probably going to top this. And in order to top this, it's going to include a crazy amount of pyrotechnics and Marshawn Lynch probably riding around in a golf cart again. Um, <laughs> the Raiders. <laughs> and you can't put anything past the Raiders. Um, and, you know, good old Al Davis, God rest his soul, was all about a show. Um, so, I will definitely say that. I think uh, just kind of based off of what I've seen, um, I would honestly say probably the Stanley Cup Finals comes down to uh, the Vegas Knights because those guys are just ridiculously good um, and can score in a heartbeat and they're fast. Um, But I would probably say it would come down to them in either Tampa Bay or the Penguins, again, um, with Sid the Kid. But those would, you know, kind of be my resident – uh, NHL playoffs, that's about all I know that's going on in the playoffs right now. But I, I'm telling you, it is worth the watch. Next time they go back to Vegas, uh, game five, which I would assume probably be sometime this weekend, um, check it out. And it is, I'm pretty sure there's probably a YouTube video of it, but that opening is the best five minutes I've ever seen uh, from an opener by any professional sports team. Well, this weekend, I'm actually going to Vegas, and I have not checked the schedule, but if they're playing while I'm there, I just might have to check them out. Uh, I'm going to go over the current uh, the current uh, series in the NHL playoffs, and ironically, the uh, Vegas Knights are the only team winning their series. They are currently up 2-1 to one on the Bay Area's San Jose Sharks. Um then we also have the Nashville Predators and the Winnipeg Jets tied at 1-1. And the Capitals and Penguins are also tied at 1-1. And you guessed it, folks, the Lightning and the Bruins also tied at 1-1. So currently, as things stand, the Knights are the best team in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and shout out to uh... – to the Tennessee offensive line and Marcus Mariota chugging beer out of a catfish. Hey, props off to those guys. Another great video. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to see I'm gonna have to see footage of this. As soon as this podcast is done, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google Granted that. they were drinking Bud Light. Granted they were drinking Bud Light. But the Tennessee I feel like if we, Titans if we, if we offensive drink... line <laughs> <laughs> if we drink out of a catfish, out of uh, if we drink out of a catfish, you can drink whatever beer you want. I will not judge you. Oh my goodness! So we are we are through about uh, 
25 minutes of the show. So let's let's leave the second half for a playoff update, a glimpse into the Kentucky Derby, and also an update on good old boxing. Uh, NBA playoffs. Before we get into this, uh, are you surprised by any teams that made it into the second round? Uh, no. I think all the teams, other than, I would honestly say the surprise pick, uh, so Utah surprised me. I didn't think they would do it in six. I thought if they did win, it would have been a seven-game series. Um, the surprise, I was surprised that Indy took Cleveland to the wire, literally. Game seven uh, had a chance to, um, you know, upset the Cleveland Cavaliers at home. Um but I definitely thought um, Boston would make might work. Uh, even without Kyrie, I thought they were good enough to get out of the first round. Um, Coach Brad Stevens is amazing. Um, on the Western Conference, not so much. Like I said, Utah uh, and kind of how they handled uh, OKC. Minus their choking game five, they basically, um, you know, handled that series and had everything on the route. So, um, I thought it would be, I guess, OKC playing so poorly, playoff P and Mello, uh, playoff Mello making $28 million next year. Uh, he was making love to the bench. <laughs> oh, my game, goodness. <laughs> in a closeout game. Uh, so that would probably say was the biggest surprise. Yeah, and um... – for those of you that are a uh, member of the Run the Point Facebook page, I know, Aaron, you posted a little something on that. Uh, man, that says a lot about the current state of Melo in his career, that in the elimination game, as you so eloquently put it, he's he's riding, he's riding the pine, man. Like, come, dude, come on. Like, what? How, talk about a fall from grace. I mean, he, he obviously had a couple of years in New York where, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, nearly as good as he was earlier in his career. If you ask me, Melo never lived up to his hype, even when he was in Denver. Uh, but uh, last couple of years in New York, he was he was seemingly falling off a bit. But man, that was that was a, an all-time low for him. And just as a as a basketball fan, and me living in the New York area, that was that was kind of painful to see. But but rightfully so, and well deserved for for his, his backside to be sitting on that wood. He did not deserve to be in that game. He's been playing like a bum. Completely agree. Mello, um, um, I'm sorry. I know you listen to this. I know you, I know you listen. Use this as motivation. All right, Mello. Use this as motivation. I don't want to see Hoodie Mello in the summertime. Um, I need to see Hoodie Mello in the NBA regular season. Uh, that's what I need. I need to see Hoodie Mello closeout game have more than five points. I need to see Hoodie Mello on the court not making love to the pine when the game is on the line. All right. Um, I mean, gee, I could have went out there and put up some Mello numbers. Like, pay me, pay me $28 million. I can go put up some Mello numbers. You can say that again, man. Uh, but but real quick, uh, nothing nothing in the East surprised me. Um, I, I'll I'll echo your your comment where um, you know I didn't quite expect Indy to take Cleveland 
to game seven, but that team outside of LeBron has been playing like like straight New York City trash on a on a Saturday morning. Uh, but the Utah Jazz, man, I've been telling you for a while, they've they've just got a solid roster and they're really deep at guard and the defensive player of the year candidate and rookie of the year candidate. Um, you know, I, you, you you mentioned the words light work before. What happened to the Portland Trailblazers then? They are not – so here's the thing, right? They don't have that next switch. So that, to me, is what's wrong with Portland. So they got swept last year by the Dubs. They got swept this year by New Orleans. Pelicans. Yeah. The Pelicans. They don't have that 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 next level. Um, and that's what it takes in the playoffs. Like, as we see with Golden State, Golden State's clearly the best team in the NBA right now without Steph. And now they're adding Steph, and it's like, like I kept saying all year long, those guys are just waiting for the playoffs. It's a mental thing for them when, you know, it's hard for teams that good to get up for games that they know don't matter. And, you know, they're not worried about trying to, you know, get home court and all this other stuff. They're built. They're playoff tested. They've been to the finals, you know, going on to another team's court to and, and stealing a game is nothing that hasn't they haven't done. Um, you know, they've won in Cleveland against LeBron and Kyrie uh, on the road. So it's not like they only win games at home and all this other stuff. So, you know, they closed Cleveland out the first year in Cleveland. You know, so for me, it's for that team, it's just the focus. Once they're locked in, they're the best team in the NBA and they're scary. Um, so I think that's just kind of the thing with Portland is they don't have that ability. Um and not to say that Dame isn't a clutch player or none of that, but just the team as a whole doesn't have the ability to elevate their game to a playoff-ready level. You know, like everyone always talks about a playoff bronze. Like, playoff bronze is the real deal, not regular season bronze. Um, and that's kind of the thing with, um, that we're starting to see with Portland is it's that they're all just keying up on Dame, um, they're getting physical with him, and it's kind of like, you know, CJ McCollum, okay, cool, but he's not a guy. He's a complimentary police. He's not a guy that you say, hey, go win me this game. He's not a Clay Thompson who can just, you know, take over a game and, you know, dominate. You say, go get buckets um, and stuff like that. So that's yeah, kind of what you're Portland. I was just gonna say it, it, it's so. a shame because because they're man that that guard combo of of, of Dame and and McCollum it's they're they're fun to watch man but they they just they don't have they don't have it they don't have, there's a lot of things they don't have um, they never really replaced Marcus Aldridge um, it'll be interesting to see what this team would do with the talent uh, in, in the in the front court like Marcus Aldridge especially with you know, McCollum and McCollum a couple of years later into his development and Dame just Dame being Dame, but it's it's not a it's just it's not a talented roster to me and I, and I agree with a lot of a lot of things that you said, um, but it's just speaking of potential, man. If those if the Pelicans had 
had Cousins, oof, I think I think they can make a little bit of noise. No one's gonna no one's gonna touch Dubs, so it's a don't no don't crucify me quite yet, Aaron. The Dubs Dubs are very good. They're the best best team in the NBA. So no, let me, let me no, say so that. I, I will say this. <laughs> no, so I will actually say this. So I think if if I were to give one team a chance to beat uh, the Dubs, I would honestly say the Pelicans would have been that team. Um, and I, I would kind of put the Jazz in there as well, um, solely because of this. They both – so the Jazz have Gobert and they got uh, – what's the other guy? DeMar, or Favors, right? Derek, Derek Favors, And yeah. then, yeah, Pelicans have, you know, AD and, and Boogie. And those guys can dominate. And then they have the ability to slow down the game. They have them. They have the ability to force them to play half court, and not allow them to get, um, you know, out in the open and run and, and and all those things and spread the floor. Those guys can just pound you and just pound you inside. I mean, and and I'm sorry, like K, KD is amazing, but KD can't guard AD. Like I'm sorry, he can't lock him down. Um, you know, and Draymond can only lock down one of them. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, AD is just too tall for Draymond as well. So, yeah, he can, you know, withstand them physically. But, and then you can put KD, but KD can't handle AD in the paint. Um, so, it's kind of like well, they mean, have the, the ability to kind of, you know, to give Golden State problems. You know, if I if you say seven-game series, you're going to take it. I'm taking Golden State nine out of ten times. But they have that ability to enforce their will. And kind of enforce them to earn it, you know, and make it a little bit tougher on them. But as you saw in game one um, of that series, it's kind of like, you know, they can lock everyone else down and kind of, you know, control AD, and it's a wrap uh, when they lock in like that. So, Well, I'll tell you what, man. If, uh, if Draymond can't lock, lock you down, he's probably going to start kicking you somewhere. That's all I got to say. But, you know, I, I've been I've, like this. <laughs> I've been saying for I've been saying for uh, for a few years now that the only way you're going to beat the Dubs, you know, aside from when they lost to Cleveland, you know, Draymond was suspended that series. We all know how that went. But the only way you're going to beat a healthy, full Dubs team, especially now, is if you if you punch them in the mouth. You know, figuratively speaking, you've got to get physical with them. And a, a, a Pelican team with Boogie and AD can do just that. And the Jazz team with Gobert and, and Favors to a lesser degree than, than New Orleans can do just that as well. I don't think either team would would beat uh, the Dubs, but they'll definitely give them a run for their money because if you can get physical with them, especially with more than one player, and slow down the game, as you said, and make it more of a half-court game and obviously limit Golden State's uh, number of possessions and second-chance points, that's, that's a recipe for success. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, but man, I also want to say one more thing about OKC, or, or actually ask your opinion on something rather. How much of this do you put on um, coaching? How much of it do you do you sit back and say, you know what, you got this talented roster, you got this, you know, so-called big three? And I think we we may have touched on this a little bit last week, but now that they've officially been eliminated, I want to get a little bit deeper if we can. Now, how much? The players got to play, right? But come on, man, you've got to you got to put a better product on no. the court than that. 
No. So here's so here's the thing, and and I said this early on about OKC. I never believed in OKC from the jump. Um, I think OKC played to their best ability only against one team and one team only, uh, and that's the Warriors, just solely because of all the drama that comes with it. So they just got naturally just got up for that game. Uh, I remember back in like earlier people were, you know, when they blew out Golden State uh, in OKC, I think it was like sometime in the fall or something, right? And, you know, I was like, whatever. I don't put any stake in that. All that matters is come playoff time. Um, and, and I think come playoff time, it's, it's not on the coaching. I just don't think they are a good team. That's the thing, right? So, to me, the Jazz were the better team. OKC had more talent. Right, but they, right. they're not. I, I, I agree. There are a bunch of guys. There are a bunch of talented individuals who haven't bought in. So is that on the coach? I don't think it's on the coach because it's also on you as the player to buy into the system, right? Like you're that great, you know what you're capable of, but also at the same time, it's like yes, yeah, part of the coach to say, hey, I need you to lock in. I need you to buy in. I need you, you know, to to be on this, to focus, but. Also, at the same time, it's like on you as the individual, but to me, it's kind of like those are the guys that you just kind of sit here, and to me, they, they remind me a lot of AI. Of You can talk to them because they're blue in the face, but they still have what, to me, what's best for them in at the forefront of their mind to where they all think that, you know, I need to get mine, I need to do mine. Because um, how many times did you just see – them just play standard isolation basketball. Like, you know, the coach, I can see Billy Donovan over there jumping up and down. Hey, run this. Let's go do this. But it don't matter. Hey, ISO Russ. ISO, you know, playoff peak. ISO mellow. <laughs> it's just like, man, no ball movement. Everyone's stagnant. Um, so I think some of it, yes, is on coaching, but some of it is also on the players to buy in. Um and, and to me, it's kind of like it's, it resonates with the same thing with Mark Jackson, you know, with the Warriors, where he was a great coach um, and got them to the playoffs, but, you know, didn't have the ability to kind of get them over the hump. But, you know, they he got them to buy in, um, and, and a lot of the guys said, hey, he was the one that put the foundation in, um, you know, to get us to get here. And then, you know, Kerr was the one that took us over the edge, but, um, so I think some of it's on Billy Donovan, but I also think a lot of it is on those guys because to me they're just there's too many individuals on that team. Um, and you just so see I, it with I agree. Mello saying, yeah, I mean you see it with Mello. Mello, I'm not coming off the bench. I'm not taking a pay cut. I'm not doing this to where, I mean you hear it from the guys now. You heard it, Clay. Clay's come out and said, yeah, um, I'm willing to take a little bit less to stay here and and you know keep this thing going of what we got. Um, you know, he's not going to go out to where he could command the max deal, to where he, you know, somebody's going to play that man. Uh, you know, when Draymond comes up, you know, KD continuing to take and pay cuts to stay, uh, you know, and exercising, you know, his options and stuff like that. So you see it, but you don't see it with that team. That's why their bench is hot garbage with a bunch of cheap dudes because they're, you know, playoff P, Russ, and, and Mello take up. 90% of their stuff and it's like, hey, uh, 
He won't come play for the league minimum, Mister Mister D League guy. <laughs> Mama, pay <laughs> that man. No, no, no. no but, exactly. I mean, I mean, so, so I mean, that's so kind I, of where I'm going. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I I agree with with most of that. Um, it, it's it's so I want to touch on a few things that that need to be elaborated some other time, but I'll just just share my opinion on on the the main points of these couple of topics. Uh, so. The NBA has obviously been turning into a, a heavy ISO game and look no further than a guy like Melo. Um, as far as the, the team buying into a coach's philosophy and game plan and ball movement and hey, even positionless basketball, uh, look no further to a player like Melo to, to not, you know, just not be willing to commit to that. Uh, the teams, the teams that, that, that play that way are the teams that are successful. The, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the, the Golden State Warriors, um, the, the Boston Celtics, uh, hey, even even the Toronto Raptors. Even though we criticize them for you know just not being a good postseason team, that they're you know they they play good team basketball. You know we can I'm sure we can name a handful of others. Uh, but another Philly. thing is that Philly, per, perfect example. Um, the process was trusted. Um, but you, you talked about like someone not wanting to take a pay cut to stick on a team. Once again, looking at you, Melo, um, it's always just really, really bugged me as a sports fan. When I, when I hear these players complain or I read these stories or whatever about, uh, oh, so, so, so-and-so is holding out of his deal. So-and-so will not sign this contract because he's being offered 198 million, but he wants 198.5. Dude, when you're making that much money, what is an extra five hundred thousand dollars? Just sign the contract and win some championships. For real? Come on, man. <laughs> so, that's always fine. So I agree with you. To me. Yeah. So I agree with you on that one. Minus when it comes to the NFL, because uh, I look at a guy like OBJ who is only getting you know a million or something like that, and he commands a lot more. A guy like Le'Veon. Well oh, sure, I, sure. I'm, I'm not, so, yeah, I'm not so, talking so about players who, yeah. yeah. I agree with you to where it's like, okay, you can't come to terms over 1 million. You know, they're giving you 190 and you want 191. And it's like, come on, guy. What's an extra million? <laughs> You're there. Exactly, like, exactly. Like you said, exactly. build an incentive to say, okay, you'll get this extra $1 million if, you do X, Y, and Z. You lead the league in points per game, or you play all 82 games in the NBA season or something. You know, for that, cool. I got that. Um, and I completely agree with you on that one as well. But um, I am all for a player, too, like OBJ and uh, all of those guys. Go get your money. So, <laughs> Sure, yeah, especially players who who significantly outplay their contract, like, like an OBJ, for example. Uh, we can go to baseball, like an Aaron Judge. I'm not sure the the number, but I feel like Aaron Judge is making like six hundred thousand, and he just won the the American League Rookie of the Year, and he's you know he's hitting he's hitting home runs uh, from 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 the Bronx all the way to Philly, uh, you know. So it's yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm with you on that. Um, one, one thing that I wanted to point out, and I I saw a clip of this. Uh, perhaps you did too, Aaron. Was uh, I mean, let me preface this by saying the uh, <clears throat> the Rockets have been making light work of their competition so far so light of work that James Harden was just chilling at a Houston Astros game 
by himself eating ice cream out of one of those plastic baseball cap bowls. Did you happen to catch that? I did not. I missed that. Oh, oh. so yes. Yeah. James Harden just chilling at the Astros game by himself, eating some ice cream without a care in the world because the Rockets are just cruising until they meet the Dubs, of course. Anything, uh, anything else lingering in the in the NBA playoffs before we uh, get into some some Kentucky Derby talk? Nah. So let's go ahead and hit these uh, <laughs> Kentucky Derby odds. Um, and so, kind of what I just wanted to do real quick: uh, Kentucky Derby is this weekend. Make sure you go drink you a mint julep uh, and kind of enjoy. So right now. We got 20 horses going, uh, and so we got fire frenzy fire at 50 to one odds, free drop Billy at 30 to one odds, promises fulfilled 30 to one, flame away 30 to one, audible eight to one, good magic 12 to one, justify three to one, lone sailor 50 to one, hawk bug 20 to one, my boy Jack coming in at 30 to one odds. Boltold Oro, 8 to 1 odds. Enticed, 30 to 1 odds. Brazo, 50 to 1 odds. Mendelssohn, Mendelssohn, 50 or 5 to 1 odds. And Still Regard, 50 to 1. Magnum Moon, 6 to 1. Solomini, 30 to 1. Vino Rosso, 12 to 1. Noble Indy, 30 to 1. And Combatant, 50 to 1. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know anything about horse racing. I just cheer. Uh, I normally pick the uh, horse that has the best odds or just the coolest name. Uh, so this year I am going uh, with – I'm actually going to go with Mendelshawn at 5-1 to one odds, uh, solely just because I liked his name the best. Um, and I actually think it's pretty cool – uh, so every year I make this bet with my fiance. We pick random horses and place five bucks on them. And uh, she's actually very good at just randomly doing this. So, uh, Rob, you said you'll be in Vegas, so I'll slide you, uh, I'll hit you up in Venmo, all right, <laughs> with the horse that, uh, <laughs> that she picks. So, you know, you're in Vegas, you get a Venmo with a horse name, you, you know what to do. You know why you're in Vegas. Um, uh, man, I, to be honest, I didn't I didn't put two and two together. I didn't realize I was going to be in Vegas the same time as the, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, uh, but, you know. The greatest two I, minutes I, in, uh, in sports, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The greatest two minutes in sports. Um, so, I, I was – I, I want to just point out a, a few a few horse names that are that are entertaining, and I'll go ahead and give my pick as well. Um, the the first one is Lone Sailor. The second one, just just name it, just naming some some horse names that amuse me. The second one is Blended Citizen, and the third one, in which I'm gonna pick just blindly, is Good Magic. There you okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, let's uh, let's get into uh, into some some boxing. And are we gonna are we gonna have a 
have our privileged guest call in again. I believe he he's on hold. So let's. Uh, I was let's about to say he bring should be him. in. So yeah, let's let's so bring him to the, the show. Hey, Austin, yeah, fellas, I'm here. How's it going? We got our resident boxing uh, coordinator in in the group, Austin. So what's up, man? How you been? Hey, I've been good. Uh, just been paying attention to the boxing world. There's been some interesting things going on uh, over the uh, since the last time we talked. So uh, whatever questions you have, I'm here to answer questions and spread the news. Hey, so why don't you kind of – so I know this was – so sadly enough, uh, me as a casual boxing fan, I had this night planned, bro. I had, I, had the, I had the wings ready. I had the little salsa and chips and dip, Cinco de Mayo, some frozen margaritas. I was like, yo, we going to get the Triple G and Canelo rematch. It's the big weekend. I'm going to watch the Derby. Win me some money real quick on the Derby. Turn around, flip it on this uh, Triple G and Canelo fight. And uh, now I'm stuck with Triple G versus who? Who we got? What's the rundown on that? So uh, the guy that stepped up and that, uh, who was able to come in and fight Triple G, is his name is Vange Matarosin. Uh Last one I talked to you guys, Vange Matarosin was selected. Uh, Triple G wanted to fight him. But the International Boxing Federation denied that request. But they granted uh, the request to Triple G, um, saying that, hey, you can fight this guy. We're not going to strip you of your title. And so far, this is what we have lined up for for Saturday. Vans Monterosian out of Armenia. So hmm. this guy, he, he kind of well known in the Kardashian boxing in community. Him? Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> good reference, yeah. Um, but sadly enough, uh, everybody knows how this fight is going to go. I see it as a as a tune up fight. Uh, Triple G made a statement saying that he wanted to fight three times this year. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it could still happen because now they're saying that Triple G and Canelo are going to pick back up in September. That's the that's the rumor that's out there. Uh, Golden Boy production. So that's going to be like a, like, a, like a Labor Day weekend kind of a deal? Right. It's going to be a Labor Day weekend. I mean, honestly, how I've seen it in the boxing community, in the boxing world, uh, big fights always happen pretty much sometimes towards the end of the year, at the beginning, then Cinco de Mayo is when you got to have a big fight, and then around the Labor Day weekend, September time frame, that's when we have big fights. I mean, if you look at it, last September we had that huge, crazy mega fight of Floyd Mayweather Jr., Versus Conor McGregor, so that's the, uh, yeah, right, that's so, the rumor that's out wasn't there. The, uh, yeah, the first Triple G fight was in September too, right? That one that one took place like later in, in September of, of last year, correct? Too. Right. It actually took place a week after the uh, Floyd Mayweather and McGregor fight. Yeah, yeah. So it was Mayweather and McGregor, and then followed it by them. So we had two great weekends of boxing. Okay. So so. Oh, it was when, awesome. You as the you as the boxing president, any chance we get, you know, any chance of an upset at all? I mean, I know we always got, you know, the boxer, you know, the boxing chance, but any real, any real kind of anything? Um, um, this might it's, may or may not happen. <laughs> well, uh, I believe that it will happen. A lot of us believe that it will happen. It will take place because it. it when you look at it, this is a pay-per-view match. The last time we seen a pay-per-view fight was a big pay-per-view fight was the Mayweather versus Pacquiao fight. 
So mm-hmm. you don't, you're not blessed with pay-per-view fights as much as we used to see in the early 2000s, late 90s, you know, early 90s and everything like that. So you got to think about the magnitude of how much money is going to be made off of this second fight, especially with the fact that Canelo failed that drug test. Mm-hmm. So now all eyes are on this fight. Like, wow, now we can get more eyes on this guy. Now we see who this guy is. Let's see what happens when they're supposed to fight because this fight has to happen. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, so uh, do I need, do I, you know, we just going to go in and, and say Triple G's got this? It's, a, it's pretty much a wrap. Well, uh, as you look at it, Triple G is 36 years old, you know, so he, he's, he's on the other side of the hill now. Um, he's on the decline. Canelo is still that young boxer. But, you know, Triple G is that he's the champion. You know, he didn't get there for no reason. You know, he fought there. He earned his rights to be the, be the champ. I believe that Triple G has what it takes, but you can't fault Canelo Alvarez. He's a wonderful fighter. He's a terrific fighter. The fight can still go either way. Um, I believe that it can go another draw. That's how I look at it. Okay. Okay. And uh, so between Triple G and, and Vanez, uh who you got? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of kind of the obvious, you know, Triple G. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 a no-brainer. This is Yanez is basically the Cleveland Browns, and, and Triple G uh, is the NFC. Uh, pro Bowl team, <laughs> right? And and also you got to take into account uh, Triple G is a, is a middleweight fighter. Uh, Mona Rosen, he's moving up from light middleweight, so that weight class, you know, moving up to weight, moving down the weight, it's a it's a big difference. You know, um, Triple G has always been classified as a big middleweight, so for him to fight a smaller guy is is pretty obvious. Triple G is known as a big puncher, a big heavy puncher. Uh, he may not. He may not have got the knock at Canelo Alvarez. His previous fight before Alvarez, he knocked down Danny Jacobs, but he was known to have a suspect chin, so he's a tough fighter as well. But to be known as a as a big puncher, this fight is going to end early. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. So hey, uh, so Rob, when you in Vegas, make sure you get to uh, you know get there early. Check out the fight. It'll be right behind the uh, you know the. The Kentucky Derby. So go ahead and that that twenty dollars I hit you on Venmo. Go ahead and flip that uh, on Triple G. <laughs> yeah, bro, bro, you ruined it. You ruined it on my yeah, you ruined on my Vegas plans, man. I gotta I gotta stop doing what I'm doing to, to, to handle your business. Come on, bro. Hey, <laughs> hey. So uh, so also, why don't you talk to us one time about uh, about Mr. Thurman, um, his his vacation and all of his stuff he's got going on. Wow. Um, Actually, we've been waiting on this. Uh, he's been sitting on that, that WBC throne for quite a while, being inactive and everything. Uh, he recently came out for surgery with his elbow. Uh, he said he was in a car accident, and he had surgery on his elbow. Uh, the last time he fought, he fought against uh, Slip Danny Garcia. Fantastic fight, and we've seen the outcome of that. And that's when he decided to go uh, have his surgery take place and everything. Um, then he announced that, hey, I got this uh, fight that's coming up in May. This is May now. We haven't heard anything about who he's going to fight. Then he came out saying that he injured his hand during training. Now he decided that, hey, I'm going to go ahead and vacate this WBC belt. Now, at the same time, uh, Keith Thurman is also the WBA champion. 
I'll notice that he only gave up the WBC belt. He did not give up the WBA. So now people are wondering, okay, now was he stripped or did he actually vacate the belt? We're not really going to find out. My guess is he was probably stripped of the belt. WBC is the biggest, like, boxing council in, in the game, in the sport of boxing. So you have, see a lot of eyes on the WBC. You see the WBC all the time. You see the big green belts that are strapped around the uh, champion's waist. So you're going to see that WBA. You're not really going to too much care about it, but the WBC, they, the council, they they got together and they decided, and they sat down with Keith, I guess that's what happened, and he decided to vacate the belt. So now what we're looking at is uh, Danny Garcia and Showtime Sean Porter, they're going to be, they're mandated to fight for the vacancy of that belt. So right now we're looking, uh, the WBC gave them three to four months to agree to terms. So I'm looking forward to a great fight. Uh, two great fighters. They both lost to Keith Thurman, and we're looking forward to see a great match and decide who's going to be the champion of uh, WBC. Okay. Cool. And I know last time one of the biggest things I, you know, probably after uh, up there with Triple G and Canelo, uh, one of the biggest fights I wanted to see was that Wilder-Joshua fight. Uh, you said it might take place in Britain or somewhere over there in the UK. Why don't, what's the latest word we got on that? Uh, basically, it's, it's it's a war between the United States and, and the UK. Uh, right now, it seems like they're not coming to agree to terms. Uh, Eddie Hearn, who is actually the promoter for Anthony Joshua, offered $12.5 million to Deontay Wilder for him to fight Wilder, I mean, Joshua in the UK. Uh, no further details was given on that. It was a laughable contract. I mean, they saying that the fight was potentially to make up to $100 million. I mean, that's that's huge uh, to make $100 million in a fight. We, we haven't really seen that since Floyd Mayweather. Then the last time we seen that between two heavyweights was Tyson and um, I can't think of his name right now. I'm having a brain fart. Holyfield? So, Holyfield? No, not Holyfield. Uh, I can't think of his name. I'm sorry, having a brain fart. Um I'm, I'm going to get back to that one. Uh, so the last time we seen that was in the, in the 90s, between two heavyweights, the, the raised over $100 million for a fight purse. So Wilder and his team got together, and they made a counteroffer for $50 million to Anthony Joshua. Now, they, Joshua kind of stuck his foot in his mouth because he was on record saying that if you offer me $50 million right now, I'll take the fight. Now, people are saying, okay, Wilder doesn't have this type of money, but you, you have to think about it. A fighter is not going to put up that much money, so we know it's going to come from somewhere. His manager and his promotion, they're going to get some, they're going to get something put in place to where Anthony Joshua is going to get paid $50 million. So right now, if that was the kind of offer, it's rumored to have been declined, and Anthony Joshua came out to say, like, in about a week or so, I will let you know who I'm going to decide to fight. Will it be... Deontay Wilder, um, Big Baby Miller, who just recently fought this weekend in a very boring fight, or I think his name is Vladimir Pulev. So that's what we're trying to figure out, who he's going to fight. We hope to see Wilder, but I don't think he's going to agree to fight Wilder. I don't think so. Gotcha. Okay. And lastly, I, I watched the fight. Because uh, I thought it was going to be a good fight, uh, but the Adrian Broner kind of you know run us through his last fight uh, <laughs> and kind of what's going on next. 
for that guy? Uh, you know what? The way I see it, Adrian Broner is going to be Adrian Broner. You know, uh, very controversial as we've seen. Um, but you got to look at it like this: this guy's a top draw. You got to look at the numbers that he put up. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, I want to see him get knocked out and everything." But look what he's doing. Now, I don't know if y'all really were tuned into it, but uh, Adrian Broner got into a little war of words with that rapper, um, uh, the with the rainbow color hair. I can't think of his name. Uh, six, yeah, Kashi, man. Six, nine. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> right, and, and, and that tells you something that I have a hard time even saying his name. So, yeah, it was a a big you know war of words between the two. Um, Instagram beef and everything. Uh, Takashi Six Nine said that I have three hundred thousand saying that Adrian Broner's gonna get knocked out. No, he's gonna lose the fight. Now, Takashi Six Nine's some upcoming rapper. Of course, he thinks he has all the money and everything, but you gotta look at it. Adrian Broner is just not some boxer. I mean, this guy's been headlining fights. He's a four four division weight champion, so of course he he has some money in his pocket, so it was nothing to him. Now, as far as the fight, he fought against Jesse Vargas, and on the inside of the community, Jesse Vargas fights under Floyd Mayweather as well. And a few years back, Adrian Broner was deemed the next Floyd Mayweather. But, of course, he lost three fights. He got almost demolished <clears throat> in one of his fights by Marcos Maidana. So, but Adrian Broner, he's, he's, he's a character. He's a tough draw. He, I know he said some outlandish things and everything, but... <clears throat> Got to look at it. He, he's an inter, he's an entertaining fighter. Sports is entertainment. That he is. That he is. You know. He, I want to see ahead. that video of him because he he did the uh, the flushing the money down the toilet on Instagram, man. I was trying to find that video over the fight weekend just because I wanted to watch it in his honor because that to me is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, this dude is crazy. Very crazy. Uh, I I like him. Um, I know he says some crazy things, but you gotta look at it. Uh, our commander in chief, he says some crazy things too. So I mean, hey, it's something we gotta get used to these days. You know. Hey, yeah, man. Hey. I take what everybody say. They, you know, they doing it for the grand. They doing it for the likes. Hey, I get it. I I ain't got no problem with the guy. I think it's funny to me. It's like I take it as face value and just laugh at it. <laughs> Well, yeah, and some people, they do, they take away too serious and everything. And, I mean, hey, as long as he's not really hurting nobody, he's in a very dangerous sport, you know. The object of the game is to hit and not get hit. So it's dangerous for him. And people want to say, oh, I want to see him get knocked out and everything. I mean, you got to kind of be careful saying that. There, there's been fighters who've been knocked out and haven't really recovered since, you know. So yeah. it's a very entertaining, dangerous sport. And, uh but yeah, Adrian Broner is is a character. He's fun to watch. I will watch him. I would definitely go to a fight if I could. I would sit down and watch his fights when I can. And um, yeah. so the thing that I um, also noticed the viewership on that was huge. I mean, we was almost close to a million views of viewers actually watching this fight because everybody was tuned in to see what the hell is Adrian Broner going to do. You know, is he going to yeah. get knocked out? Yeah. Is he going to knock somebody out? So. He had me tuned in um, over playoff basketball, so uh, he definitely got my my views. Well, and, and that's big too. You got to understand, like boxing right now, battling with the NBA playoffs, especially on a Saturday night. I mean, that's 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 huge right there, uh, especially for those numbers and everything. So, 
I, I respect. I mean, I respect what the guy's doing. He he's he's a great entertainer. He's figured out what he has to do to get those views. And now, especially with social media and everything, it's gonna it's gonna magnify. Exactly. So, uh, well, thank you, sir, for for kind of giving us our update. And uh, we definitely have to kind of hit you up and make sure you get you on to kind of recap this uh, crazy weekend. And if anything crazy happens in this uh, Triple G fight. But I think this is going to wrap up this week's episode of Run the Point. So, hey, Austin, thanks again, as always, for being the resident uh, boxing analysis breakdown for us. And, Rob, hey, have fun in Vegas. Uh, what happens in Vegas will end up on Run the Point next week, right? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. Appreciate the – Appreciate the uh, the boxing breakdown as as always. We'll we'll talk again next next week and uh, wraps things up. Peace out. All right, you guys have a good one. Peace.